This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Holy shitballs, y'all. Welcome back to the WOMED. Happy Friday. We have one of the coolest guests I think the WOMED has ever been lucky enough to speak to. But first, I need everyone just to sit here and congratulate Dr. Jacqueline Camardo on giving a two-hour presentation on her doctoral work that was published at a major conference. Yes. Oh, my God. Yes, Queen, we all bow down. You smart-ass, gorgeous brain, you. So proud of you. I am definitely taking a clip of what you just did because you were actually bowing down for everyone that can't see you. I'm stealing this clip for Instagram. Do it. I don't care. I don't care. I appreciate that so much. I, You know, it's funny. Uh, so Danny and I actually... Um, Danny introduced me to a good friend of hers that is um, also kind of in this mindfulness, mental health, um, presenting space. And he gave me it was so funny because yesterday I was like, really nervous, obviously, like I was starting to get really nervous before the presentation. And this friend like wished me good luck. And I said, Oh, my God, like, I can't get nervous over a mindfulness presentation. Like I'm presenting on mindfulness and here I am like about to have a panic attack. Like what the hell is what, wrong Jack, with me? you're human? Are you kidding? No, I know. And he, you know, luckily is kind of, like I said, in the field. And so he said, you know, one could argue, just be mindful about your anxiety. Say hello to it. Give it a little hug. Give it a little pat on the back and move on. Like you've got this. And so I had so many supportive messages and from you yesterday has felt so much love. So I appreciate it. I'm glad it's over. Um, I have one more day here in Los Angeles to kind of just chill and get things together before I head back officially to Chicago tomorrow. So uh, back in Chicago now, full time, I'll be back like for good. So it feels good to be feels good to kind of get settled back for sure. Oh my God. I'm so proud of you. So happy for you. I know you, that's been like weighing on you a little bit. Yeah, and it has. So yeah, I appreciate it. Well, D, you've got some major updates too. I mean, <laughs> holy shit balls me. Holy shit balls you. <laughs> well, yeah. I'm wondering if we should start a new WOMED segment of the weird questions I get asked in my DMs oh, now that I I'm am- back on paradise. <laughs> This is for sure a new segment. You are you are so much better with coming up with little names than I am. So what what could we call this segment? In the DMs with DM. <laughs> How do you do that? I don't How know. How do you do that? In the DMs well, with DM. I have one. And like I've really been trying or to what like about, not. What about DM in the DMs? Ooh, I like that. That's DM better. in the DMs. DM in the DMs. I don't know if it like makes as much sense as the other one, but it sounds better. <laughs> All right, new segment. First, okay, guys, this is like this is we're on the fly. First time on the WOMED, DM in the DMs. Let's go. Hello. I was wondering if you have had an eyebrow hair transplant. What? An eyebrow I know. hair transplant? Can that can you is that a thing? <laughs> I don't know. Is that a thing? I really don't know. I'm like no, um, I don't know if that's a thing. I don't know where you transplant the hair from. Eyebrow hair transplant. 
Like I if, don't know. If you don't have a lot of eyebrows, you can like transplant them in. Yeah. And also like, are you saying I have good brows on the show? Because I've been looking at my brows on the show and I don't think they're that great. No, I, your <laughs> brows look great. I think that, I mean, that's definitely what that, that means. They're like, how do you get brows like that? So. I mean, I hope so. I hope it's nice. But also like, that's a really weird question to ask someone. Yeah, that's fucking weird. Okay, moving on. Let's go. Let's give you, let's hear another one. Let's hear another one. No, we'll just do one a day. Just one? Because oh, man. honestly, honestly, y'all, we have Mrs. and Jemmy on the pod. Nicole and Jemmy is joining us. She is going to be live in your ear holes on this podcast. And I've had her on my list since I started the podcast. Like, she is so cool. And she has a brand new book coming out called Nicole and Jemmy's Anatomy Book. And it's going to be here on October 25th. She has a ton of live events coming out. So we will link all of that in the show notes. But what a badass human. I just feel blessed to get to hear her story and like how, how I know. her brain she, works. She just, really has been on your list since like day one. I don't think I've ever seen Danny so excited to interview a guest. This is such a special interview. And honestly, perfect timing because we are heading into Halloween weekend. So, so this- all the gruesome, gruesome, <laughs> gross and spooky. <laughs> all the gruesome, gruesome and spooky here for you on this Friday. We hope that you love this episode and we will see you on the other side. All right. I'm really trying to keep the fangirling to a minimum here, but we have the Mrs. and Jemmy on the WOMED. This has been, you have been on my list since I started the podcast back in like 2019. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Very excited to have you here. If I start sweating, it's, I'm wearing white, so hopefully it doesn't show up. <laughs> Jack is still not home yet. She's joining us from LA, where she just presented on a major, major paperwork that she had published. I know it was, uh, yeah, I just um, presented at a conference. So I kind of gave myself an extra day here to go to the conference and kind of just enjoy the city for a little bit. But yeah, it was good. I'm it's like that moment where you are like really proud of yourself. and You're happy, but you're more so just relieved that it's over. I'm like, Oh, thank God, it's just over. <laughs> <I can't laughs> <relax now." laughs> but no, we are so excited. And yes, Danielle, like, I've never seen her so excited than when we got the email come through our inbox that you were going to come on the podcast. Like usually I'm the fangirl. Usually I get, I mean, I'm still fangirling, but usually I'm the embarrassing one. So I'm, I'm excited that Danielle gets to be the dork today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's she'll awesome. be roasting me. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just, you have such a wide background. Like you've started, you have experience in micro and cytology and like you do autopsies and like the surgical pathology how how did this come to be for you like what drew you what drew you to the gross I'm not really sure actually because a lot of people asked me when I was a kid if I was interested in this stuff and I guess I you would say that when I was younger I you know was a girl that would get my hands dirty my dad was a mechanic and stuff so you know I was in the dirt a lot and things like that but I never really knew or had an interest in medical stuff and I went to college when I was nine. So I dropped out of high school when I was um, 16. And I went to college when I was 19 just because 
I didn't really have a good job. I was like delivering pizza and, you know, and I, I had a daughter already. I had my daughter when I was 15. So I said, okay, I have to go to college because I have to get a job that I could get benefits basically for her because I was getting ready to get kicked off my parents' insurance. And I have two cousins that were nurses. And I said like, oh, I'll just go, I'll go be a nurse because I know I could go to school for um, the minimal amount of time. (laughs) and get a job that like pretty guaranteed to get a job that has a decent paying good benefits so that's what I thought I didn't think I wanted to be a nurse I just was kind of like what can I do with my life and so I started going to community college near me and I I didn't even know what classes to take you know this was back in the day when you had to wait in line and talk to a counselor and there was no internet yet and everything And they just said, okay, you have to take these basic classes. You have to take biology and English. And, and I had never even taken biology because I, you know, I had my daughter in ninth grade. Um, so I kind of left school in the middle of ninth grade and we were just doing earth science then. Mm -hmm. And then I didn't go to school at all in 10th grade. And then I returned in 11th grade for like, you know, a month before I dropped out. So I never took biology. So then the very first day we started using the microscope and stuff like that. And then I just instantly was like, wow, this is so cool. I I never saw this, never used it. We just looked at something boring, like an onion skin under the microscope. And And the cells. Yeah. (laughs) It's boring now compared to everything that I've seen (laughs) after, right? But I just was like, wow, this is cool that all this information is going on that you can't see with your naked eye kind of, you know? Mm-hmm. That teacher was so happened to be a medical microbiologist at a local hospital because they in those classes, they basically get every single student that has to take that. And what do you get? Like one percent that's actually interested in biology. Like most mm-hmm. kids are there like just trying to get it over with. Right. Right. So she she hooked on to me and would tell me everything she did at her job and all this like these jobs that were available because I didn't even know that that was a possibility. My dad's a mechanic. My mom was a, working as a um, dietary assistant at a hospital. So, um, you know, and there was no internet. So you just know what you know around you, you know? Yeah. I, I couldn't even believe that I could get a job like work, like looking in the microscope all day. It just was so awesome to me. And then right away, I was like, I don't want to be a nurse. I have no interest in taking care of people like that. You know, I, I want to help people, but not like that. (laughs) So it, it worked. That's kind of how it started there. And then, you know, everything progressed after that, basically. That's so cool. I I love hearing people's backstories and I feel like you're speaking into, well, now you're letting people know like this dream career exists for a lot of people who are, you know, obsessed with you know, criminal minds, CSI, uh, Grey's Anatomy, even like you're bringing so much on your Instagram to, well, to your 1.8 million followers. <laughs> you know, you're, you're showing them that this is actually a like a very cool field to study and learn and you can still help people and you can figure out those like genetic links and disease processes and I mean, that's why I love following following you because I've seen a lot of really, really interesting things from my time working in the NICU and like defects and and things that like I didn't know existed. And then I'm looking at your page and like anytime you do baby stuff, I'm like, I know what that is. I know what that is. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, it's ex- it's really exciting. I think that was part of the reason I started the doing the Instagram and well before the Instagram I was doing a blog and stuff cuz I think it's exciting when you learn about all this stuff in school and then you see it in real life and you kind of it's kind of dissatisfying that you recognize a disease process or something and I would get so excited doing an autopsy and finding everything and I would call the residents down to the morgue and just be like yo you got to come see this because to see something in real life that you've only seen in a textbook sometimes only happens once in your whole career. And most of the residents would be very excited, you know, if they were very enthusiastic about being there, because you always have people that are just kind of not into it or whatever. But um, yeah, that that was like one of the reasons I thought to share it, because I thought, you know, other people feel the same way I do. I think that's just so helpful to have, especially in residency like you must have helped shape so many like med students and and residents and stuff throughout your career already just being able to to see these things that aren't all that common yeah I mean there was definitely a a period of a couple years that um I had a lot of good residents coming through and a lot of them you know enthusiastic about autopsies and surgical pathology because I kind of you know, would do the autopsies and then go upstairs and work in surgical pathology. So it was like I was very immersed in both, you know, patients that were getting surgeries, patients that were dying, patients that had surgery that died, you know, like it's kind of all up in that hospital as far as what was going on with pathology. And yeah, I had a great time, especially for a period of time. I was the same age as all the residents, you know, you know, I was 24, 25 or whatever. And we would um, go out afterwards and hang out till Friday, you know, Friday nights and everything like that. So it was, it was really awesome. Then we all got older and had kids and get married and everything. It just everything changes. You know, well, I, I've always had a kid, but you know, everyone else around me never did. So. <laughs> so Danielle and I actually we co-own our WOMED Instagram. So we both use the Instagram. And I always give her a really hard time because she can handle seeing all these gross images. Like she's been in the NICU and now she's in Derm. So she we, she on her side follows all of these like pimple popping accounts, like all these gross like Derm accounts. And I've been in healthcare for 15 years as well, but I'm not one of those people that can handle queasy things. Like I almost passed out the first time I saw a vaginal birth. Whenever I have like oh, wound yeah. care, I'm like, somebody else, Trace, not my thing. I joke that I'm like the worst nurse ever. To be so fair, I almost passed out on my first trach change too. Well, adults, don't yeah, feel bad. Great, sir. Yeah, not my, not, not my thing. A lot of things aren't my thing when it's like that. But I'm curious, did you know all of the time, like right away that this kind of like gross stuff didn't really make you easy or gross you out? Like the first time you did an autopsy, did it just come naturally or compared to the other people around you, is, is everyone kind of in that field, just all on the same page where it just doesn't really gross you out? Oh, no, we've, I've had um, definitely nurses because back, back in the day, it was easier for people to come observe autopsies. Um, mm, okay. But since, you know, HIP is becoming a thing and then COVID, like, it's just harder. But we used to have lots of observers, nurses, um, medical students, people that maybe wanted to go to PA school or something. And I've had a ton of people 
I remember one time we had a nursing student come in and it, this wasn't even in the work. This is in surgical pathology. I pulled a placenta out of the bucket and it was in formalin. So it doesn't even really, the formalin doesn't make it look bloody. It's just kind of like brown blood, basically. And the girl turns white as a ghost and looked like she was going to pass out. <laughs> and I'm like, bro, you might not want to be a nurse because uh, <laughs> if this is grossing you out. Like this is, this is nothing it's compared not, to what you're going to see, you know? <laughs> But in in general, I think in the pathology lab, it's yeah, most people, most people, I don't know, I feel like for me, I'm more interested in the science of it that I could kind of ignore the, the gross factor. Like I slowly was weaned into it because it first started that my first job working in the hospital was in a medical microbiology lab. And it was during, um, it was right after 9-11 when all the anthrax stuff was happening. So we were getting nasal swaps like every day from postal workers and stuff. It was, it was exciting, like super exciting to be in the lab, but a little, you know, scary. <laughs> yeah. But I remember there was, somebody said that there was an autopsy at the hospital and this was before I had ever seen one. And the the doctor came upstairs and he had like, he was holding a container. He had his glove on the container and there was blood and like a fresh cut lung piece because he wanted to do micro on it. And I I just thought like, I was like, oh my God, it, like it's that bloody because it just looked very bloody, you know? And then he put the rest of the organs in the fridge there. And then at night when everybody, you know, left, because I used to work there by myself at night, like I kind of opened the fridge and just peeked open the containers because I'm like, I want to see what these look like, you know, and yeah. there was a brain in the container. And I just like looked at it and I was like, this is so cool. I, ne <laughs> I never thought it was gross. I just couldn't believe that I was like looking at a human brain in a refrigerator, you know what I mean? <laughs> I had an experience like that starting to work in the NICU too, because it's like, well, you're taking care of these, well, fetuses and you get to see like what these babies look like at different stages too. And you're like, oh my God, like this is wild. Like you get like a stillbirth. It's like 18 weeks or like 20 weeks or something like that. And just kind of being able to like watch that evolve too was, was like really cool. Yeah. And that, and, and the fetal specimens are just, it's kind of amazing to just be able to look at one, you know, it's almost not real at first. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That was like really mind boggling. Like I'll, I would be taking care of like a, a 23, 24 weeker and you're just like, this is wild. This is just, yeah. And then All the like, parts are there. You're, you're, yeah. you're just like, how is this <laughs> you know, I mean, very little, so, so mm -hmm. small, 12 weeks or something. You're just like, oh, my God, this is like a fully formed thing. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I had another question, like kind of focusing around kind of like helping people understand these disease processes in like the gross room on your Instagram. And like, obviously, a lot of these things are really shocking. Some of these things that you are showing are like major deformities and do you feel like is there like a part of you that's trying to help like people understand the, an aspect of like ableism or just trying to help people to like look and like learn like ask questions so that like these different things like when you see them uh, like if you like run into someone that has something like like destigmatize it. I yeah, I do feel like that. I don't 
I didn't ever event like uh, sit down and think about my Instagram and be like, I'm going to do this. It's just kind of something, you know what I mean? <laughs> but it's evolved into all these different things. And that's definitely one of them. For example, I was down the shore this summer and there was a family that had Harlequin ichthyosis. Yeah. And, you know, those people look, they look different and you mm-hmm. can see that they look different. And, they're, you know, I was on the boardwalk down the shore and I could see that lots of people were kind of staring at them. And, and I feel like that's probably an issue that these poor, these kids have all the time. Right. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it is just people just not knowing and be curious, but not, you know, not being able to just go up to somebody and say, Hey, can you talk, you want to talk to me about this? I'm curious about this. And I feel like it, I feel like it definitely, especially with my book and stuff, I hope that, you know, people learn about stuff and aren't as, I, I think adults are probably better, but it's more for kids because my, my, I mean, I have kids and kids are normal to question when they see something that's like, you know, my kids like have this look on their face. If they see a person that doesn't have a leg, it's, it's, it's so scary to them, you know, but if you talk to kids about it all the time, then it becomes more normal. And then, you know, if they ever encounter, cause I remember growing up now in hindsight, I had a couple kids, like a girl that was in my school had cerebral palsy. There was another girl that had some kind of facial deformity. I don't even know what it is, but I know that they were teased a lot, you know, mm-hmm. and it and now it kind of it bothers me. So it makes me really upset being a parent. And I hope that, you know, kids could just learn that that like everybody's kind of got different bodies and, and just, mm-hmm. you know, it's not their fault and just, you know, let them be kind of normal within the society, you know. Yeah. I'm so glad you brought up your book because I'm very excited to get this. We both just pre-ordered it. Very excited. (laughs) Oh, awesome. (laughs) I've been trying to like write a story for years now. Um, What was the writing process like on your upcoming book? One of the things I don't like about Instagram is that I'm not able to kind of organize it. So Mm -hmm. Let's say, for example, I remember that I posted something years ago of some certain disease. Like I'd have to scroll through it for for hours to find to find it. And now it's like I've been on there for eight years. I don't it's almost impossible for me to do, you know, and I wanted to have something the book. I wanted it to be like slightly more organized that people were able to find certain things they would want to find. So the first part of the process was just the idea and then getting someone to go along with my idea. (laughs) (laughs) I did have meetings with a couple of publishers that were just not into it. And then, um, yeah, they, I mean, they, they wanted me to write a book, but they wanted me to really write a book, um, about my life, like a memoir kind of. Mm. And I, I might be interested in that in the future, but I just, was like I I don't feel like my my life's that important that I need to write a whole book about <laughs> myself honestly I it's just a little weird you know mm-hmm. I wanted to write a book about pathology first at least one of my friends Paul Dr Paul Kunaris he's awesome he writes books about he's kind of a historian with the death culture though so he goes to like catacombs and um takes pictures of old mummies and all these cool things in other countries. Wild. And um, so he has a couple awesome books. And then he hooked me up with this guy, um, Rodolfi at Abrams, and he loved the idea from the beginning. So um, 
that's how we got started on the conversation. And then he more came up with like the format. He He's like, I want the book to be like cute and little. And then you open it and you're like, ah, this is, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> he liked the idea of that. So that was his idea, you know, from the beginning. And then I just got started on organizing it. I just wanted to basically have it. Um, I don't know if you really know anything about the format of the book, but it's basically. No, tell us. Oh, okay. It's basically my kind of version of anatomy. So it's it's body parts listed A through Z. So it'd be like abdomen, an, anus and things like that. And then underneath it, each body part, it's like different things that could go wrong with all of these body parts. So <laughs> hypochondriac's worst nightmare. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. So um, I actually have had some of because a couple of my friends, you know, I've been able to show them the book and, and they'll call me and be like, I have this pain in my chest. Do you think it could be that, you know? <laughs> welcome um, to nurse life <laughs> yeah exactly you're gonna start getting like mass emails so I was looking in your book and I think I have this <laughs> what do I do yeah it's 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 funny because the the one of my friends he's he's one was my autopsy partner for years and um he's 76 years old and and um one of the chapters was on a, a aortic aneurysm and I guess so he just had like a cardiac cath done and I guess they told him that he had a like an aneurysm, not enough to operate on, but he had one. Mm. And he he calls me and he's just like, do you think that this could happen to me? I'm like, and he's done autopsies for years. So he knows, you know, he knows. He just, yeah. I think so. So each case is is like a personal story of how this pathology happened to this person with their pictures and um, wow. of their surgery or whatever. So I guess when you hear it, happen to a real person as opposed to just reading it could happen in a textbook it's it's a, it's a big difference maybe I don't know yeah so you guys know as nurses that um obviously I kind of just did like a small sample of the diseases because I couldn't possibly cover anywhere near mm -hmm. everything that could happen with every yeah of body course. part yeah <laughs> <laughs> you'd need 3,000 books to do yeah that. exactly <laughs> So some of the cases are classic, like appendicitis, and then there's like other cases that are super rare, you know. So when you were picking, I'm curious, the diseases that would go in the book, did a, a, was a lot of it just you're trying to pick the most common or are there some of those cases in there that just really personally stand out to you? from cases that you've seen in real life where you're like, oh, no, this one's going in the book. So it was kind of a combination of both because some of them might not be the most exciting pathology, but the story behind it was so cool. Like, for example, I have a case of appendicitis, which is kind of like whatever. Everybody has append, you know, it's kind of the yeah. bread and butter of the hospital. But <laughs> the cool part of the story was that it was a husband had the appendicitis and his wife worked in the lab and was able to go hold her husband's appendix in her hand. So that like stuff like that. And she had a picture of it. So, you know, um, a lot of it was, uh, you know, people, it, it was unfortunate because I got a bunch of really, really awesome cases that I could, one case I got was super, super awesome. But the only picture that the mom had was, you know, that there's like this terrible time period where everybody had razor phones and they weren't using like, a camera. So they're right. using that. So the only photos she had were like razor phone photos and the publisher's just like, I can't, can't it's clear too it up. bad. But there's not, yeah, there was nothing that 
any editor could do to make it look good. And I it bummed me out because I'm like, these are certain cases I hate to not use because of that. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, so that's that. And then, yeah, like when I would get, I would just get a really cool picture that really showed um, a good representation of what this disease looks like. So um, it was just a combination of, you know, good pictures and good stories, basically. And every time, you know, because obviously some letters like Z, you know, (laughs) some letters were very hard for me to get cases for. So I would specifically ask on Instagram, like, hey, Mm. does anybody have this? And sometimes I would ask for a year, you know, until finally Mm -hmm. somebody would send me something. But it all it all worked out good. And I got mostly everything that I really, really wanted. But then there's always like, if people are into the book, I could I could do 20 volumes of it. You know what I mean? So, well, that's what I'm wondering. Like, do you see yourself ever creating like a like a massive like textbook for like autopsies or these different disease processes, like an updated version of 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 what they're being taught in school? It, it's definitely possible because I feel like a lot of times if people publish a book that work in the hospital, it's like they only have access to the to the um, specimens maybe that they got at their mm-hmm. hospital. Whereas it's cool because I have access to the world to to ask people and some of the, some of the, you know, now especially within the past, you know, ten years, people get surgeries and stuff and they they get fo- their photos a lot. So many people have photos of their surgery and mm-hmm. their whatever was taken out of them. So um, I definitely have a huge, you know, archive, but getting the permission from everybody to is challenging. That's, that was a challenging part of the book is just the correspond, you know, cause it's, everything's over email and then people send you the cases, but then there's a lot, I still had to interview everyone and get them to sign releases. And it was a lot of, you know, people would go through half the process and fall off or, you know, oh, things go yeah. into junk mail. It's just, it, it's a lot when you're dealing with electronic stuff. Um, and HIPAA and people's uh, yeah and yeah mm-hmm. people's consent to do that. That makes me yeah. think that your your DMs are probably a very scary place with the <laughs> amount of photos that you probably get sent. <laughs> like you probably need someone to sift through. You probably do, but oh my gosh! Well, really, I run the Instagram myself, and my daughter does. She ch- helps me with it, you know, because it's a lot for me to do myself, and she's like you, exactly like you, like she can't handle any of this stuff so she opens stuff my worst nightmare that's how I feel when I open up our WOMED Instagram I'm like "Ah, ah, she's literally like I'm sorry I'm unfollowing these accounts like I can't see it on the explorer page I'm like oh god yeah exactly it's that's really funny (laughs) what is your favorite part of your job of being a writer or of being a PA of being a PA Okay. Of being a PA is if I could pick any time of my career that was my favorite, it was it was just teaching, being mm-hmm. part of the um we had and that that was kind of a lot of my inspiration for starting to write and stuff is that there was a time that we had um so when when I was in PA school, we had a gross conference, it was called. And um that was when we would once a week every all the pathology doctors and residents would come down into the morgue and they would show um organs that from autopsy and basically just say hey we had this patient this is how they died this is what their liver looked like this is what their lungs looked like and everybody would sit around and discuss it 
So I stole that idea from one of my mentors and brought when I graduated school, brought it to my hospital. But um, I had a little bit of a different spin on it because I had a really good because I worked in surgical pathology. So I had a good working relationship with the surgeons. And um, I was like, let's invite everybody to this gross conference because all of the autopsies that we're doing in this hospital are because they were being taken care of by doctors in this hospital. So I thought it would be really important for them to kind of see how their patient died because sometimes, I mean, like obviously lots of times you can't save everybody, but other times maybe there could be something that they completely missed or overlooked. Mm -hmm. And that would just help them in the future to maybe think about that next time they have a patient that presents with maybe a similar situation. And I also incorporated surgical pathology organs into that too. So it wasn't just autopsy. The surgeons really loved it because they had their residents and the medical students and stuff come downstairs too. And usually for the most part, if the if the surgeon removes something, it comes to us fairly intact. And although the surgeons at that hospital were awesome because they always came down to the lab and want to look, but they don't get to see things cut open and they also don't necessarily always understand what we're looking for. Mm. Um, so I thought that was the, my favorite part. And then also, even though I'm a PA and some PAs work only in surgical pathology and hate autopsy, and others do both. And I, you know, I just prefer autopsy over surgical pathology, a hundred percent. Like if I could just do that all day, I would, you know. So I think that's that's so cool. Your question. No, it totally. That's Amazing. that's such a unique way to teach. Too, you know, it's like like the gross rounds. I love it. Yeah. So I also, I mean, like I follow all of your accounts. Um, <laughs> I know how much you love genetics and how they play like a huge part in disease processes. But I also love that you created another account that's like on the lighter side on how beautiful genetics can be. And I'm wondering if you have a favorite genetic trait that you and your children share. My husband always makes fun of my like big toe because it just sticks up. (laughs) So it's like a big joke. It's a big joke in our house because... um, and my parents did too when, when I was growing up, just because like my, my toe just like, well, I don't know. I think it's fine, but whatever. <laughs> anyway, um, so it's a big joke in my house, but yet my, one of my kids has it. So Lucia, my little one. So Aww. every single, like if she's sleeping or something and her toe is like sticking out, like my husband always takes a picture of it and sends it to me or something like that. I don't know. I don't really have anything super in my family like that, that I mm-hmm. think is super strong um, that, that compared to some of the cases that I post, you know, in mm-hmm. in my thing. I, I love when, um, you know, they're, they're my favorite ones that people send me, though, when when there's like three people in the family that have the same exact thing. I just I love that so much. But I don't really there's just like little things like my daughter's um, second toe is longer than her great toe. And so is Gabe's, but they're the only ones that have that. Like, I love (laughs) things like that so much. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's just kind Mm -hmm. of, but I don't know. As far as my kids go, it's, it's like more of a mental, of like a mental thing is like my daughter Lillian is exactly like my husband. Um, just like the weirdness that they both have, you know, (laughs) but it's nothing I could really like pinpoint to a genetic thing. You know, it's, yeah, I just love that kind of stuff. That's so special. Well, as we wrap this up, I'm so, 
so excited for your book release. Why don't you tell everybody like where they can find it? Okay, so you can order it on my web, basically on my website. If you go to the doramater.com slash book, but it's for sale at Barnes and Noble and Amazon. If you just search my name and then I have a couple of events set up. Um, I have a book signing in Philadelphia on November 4th. And then um, that's just going to be me going to a bookstore and signing for um, the books. And then November 12th, I have one at uh, Rest in Pieces. It's uh, That's who's sponsoring the event in um, Virginia, Richmond, Virginia. But that's going to be cool because that's going to be a lecture slash book signing kind of event Ooh, thing. Yeah. Very cool. Richmond's a very cool city from what I've heard. I've got a lot of a lot of friends there. They're like, no, it's like this hidden gem. So Yeah, I've never I've never really been there. You know, I, I've driven through there going to Florida or something, but I've never really mm-hmm. been there. So I'm looking forward to it because we're gonna, you know, stay overnight and stuff like that. So it should be oh, awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, Nicole, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, I also think you should write like a, a book for kids. On like diseases and stuff. I think yeah. that'd be really cute. I am thinking about that because I was already talking to him about doing something else. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know. I'm just thinking about throwing around a couple ideas because I was also thinking, you know, if, like soon my kids are um are eight and nine mm-hmm. and um I'm going to have to have a, the talk with them soon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the actual like full talk. So I'm thinking like, how could I... In- get creative with that and incorporate yeah. that um mm-hmm. because th- that's making me a little bit nervous and it's weird because I already have a kid right and I already mm-hmm. went through this and but between her and I we don't even remember how like we had that talk <laughs> you know because it was so long ago because she's yeah she's almost you know 27 so but but yeah like I think about that because I think a lot of parents struggle with it, it's you know talking about that Mm-hmm. trying to think if that if I could pull if I could pull that together or something but yeah um I, I have a couple ideas I'm just kind of waiting to see what the reaction of this book is and then I'll go mm-hmm. from there well we're wishing you so much success on that and we'll include links to the Durham Otter and for the live events too so awesome yeah we'll post all, right, all that in the so show much. notes thank thanks you so much. so much have a good rest of your day you too thanks for having me Bye. Jack, it's also like really nice that you aren't like stopping and freezing every time. I know. The po- We're officially podcasting at least from a hotel Wi-Fi today. So in America. So I know. we're not potting from a pod anymore. Um, mm-hmm. Well, we hope that you guys You're in this country. We hope that you guys <laughs> loved that episode. I hope it gave you all of the autopsy, creepy, spooky vibes heading into your Halloween weekend. You can follow Missa and Jemmy at mrs underscore a-n-g-e-m-i on instagram and there are links to all of her other instagram pages you can also find the link to order her book and if you want special access into the gross room you can go to the duramatter.com and check out everything that she's got there as always please like rate review share follow along with the pod on whatever platform that you listen to. We 
love creating this space for you and bringing you such amazing guests. As always, you know, every like, rate, review, share, download, post on Instagram for us means the absolute world. It helps us bring on all of these incredible guests for you and keeps us doing what we're doing. But next week, I hope you guys are excited for another guest and for some more of the DM in the DMs. Make sure that you are (laughs) checking us out every Friday. And be sure to block your calendar every Monday and Tuesday at 7 p.m. Central Time to see oh, God. <laughs> to see this our beautiful blonde co-host looking for love on Bachelor in Paradise. So catch you guys next Friday. On that note, WOMED out. 